From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. As of this week, everyone 16 and older in Oregon and Washington is eligible for the COVID vaccine. That means millions more people in the Pacific Northwest trying to get a limited supply of shots. Our KGW vaccine team has been here since vaccinations first became available, taking your questions, seeking answers from health authorities, and giving you in-depth information on the vaccine rollout. We're getting lots of interesting COVID-19 vaccine questions in. Please keep them coming. Let's dive into today's batch. Once you make it to a mass vaccination site like the convention center, it's a pretty smooth process. You get in, you get your shot and you leave. But finding those appointments still seems to be an issue. Here's the deal. Oregon may be out about 300,000 doses of Johnson & Johnson vaccine in the middle and later part of this month. Now, it doesn't mean they won't come. It just means it may not arrive when the state leaders wished that it would, and that could push back some of their hoped for deadline. These people need help, and they feel like no one is helping them. Ray is 95 years old. Look, he's holding a sign saying, please help me get my vaccine. We are trying our very best to do that. This is my mother-in-law, Billy. She's 80-something and a good sport for projects like this. Besides, it was time for her second shot of the COVID vaccine. Oh, well, who likes getting a shot? <laughs> I'm pleased to welcome to this episode of Straight Talk, KGW's Pat Doris and Kristen Severance with a look at some of the latest information on the COVID vaccine rollout. Welcome to Straight Talk. It's great to have you both here. Thanks, Grace. Thank you so much for having us. You both are part of our KGW vaccine team. Describe for us what your mission has been since the vaccine became available. We'll begin with Pat. Well, we've been trying to field all the questions that come into us and sort of become a clearinghouse and then gather the information and then share our knowledge as fast as we can with the viewers and with each other as well. And Kristen. Yeah, this was such a huge story, Laurel. We all knew that it would last months, if not longer. And so we really went at it from this team approach. You know, you see Pat every single day at the top of the shows, you know, with that big vaccine story of the day. And then I've been able to do some, you know, deep dive and accountability stories. We have Galen Etlin doing some other stories about, you know, community groups, maybe some people, you know, helping other uh, groups find the vaccine and then we also have producers and you know digital reporters on this so it was a it was such a big story and so we went at it uh, from a team approach and it has really paid off and you've answered a lot of questions from viewers take us behind the scenes Kristen what goes in to chasing down those answers well I mean you know you definitely can count on Pat and uh, the rest of us to really just keep on asking the questions I mean I remember in the beginning, you know, when the vaccine first arrived in Oregon, many of our stories, you know, we really asked state leaders, why weren't you getting more shots into arms? And then many of our stories became about, you know, who was eligible when, you know, teachers uh, became eligible before seniors. And then our stories changed into um, maybe some people who were left out of the process, like the adult foster care homes. And every single day we continue to get your questions. And, and Pat really does his best to answer them. I mean, every single day you see him on there. When he, when he puts the glasses on, we know it means business. <laughs> That's right, Pat. You have asked some tough questions, held health authorities accountable. 
Well, it's uh, it's been fascinating and fun, and of course, with you know Kristen digging deep uh, on stuff and taking time to really zero in on the verifies and all that, it's just been spectacular. And the rest of the team's help as well. But you know, a, a lot of times we do all kinds of work that people never see. In a typical story, we'd make all kinds of phone calls, we'd run out and do some interviews, we'd gather information, compare the facts, see what matched and what didn't, and then present what we believed is most accurately true on the air. The problem with this is the OHA, the Oregon Health Authority, from the beginning has seemed to be just completely overwhelmed. And so trying to get information out of them has been really difficult. You can't just pick up the phone and say, hey, uh, I think the numbers are saying this. What do you think? The best bet now is we try to email somebody. Hopefully they respond. They have gotten better in the last few weeks, but for a while it was like, you know, yelling into the wind somewhere. Uh, but now they respond. You hope to get an interview set up and you hope to get stuff straightened out. It's still pretty laborious and pretty slow. And, you know, for an English major like me, trying to make sense of the numbers is sometimes a little hit and miss. So uh, it's great to have the team there to back me up. And sometimes even that we have things that fall through the cracks. But we're just churning all kinds of information and then trying to step back and say, OK, what's really happening here? What are the trends? Try to make sense of it and then just give it to the folks in ways that would make sense to us, not try and be high fluting but just give them the facts. I'd love to see uh, the health authorities reaction when they hear uh, Pat Doris is on the phone for you. <laughs> you know, everyone <laughs> became eligible as of last week in Washington and on Monday in Oregon and really the rest of the country. We're taping this Thursday afternoon. Pat, how would you describe how it's going so far and the challenges that you're hearing about? Yeah, I'd say it's uh, it's it's going. You know, for some people um, that have access to the technology, uh, it's probably going pretty well. You know, the o, um, OHSU, for example, right now is opening up their portal three or four mornings a week at 9 a.m. And if you can log in fast enough, you can get an appointment like out at the airport or out at Hillsboro. And some people are using two or three computers and a couple of phones. Everybody in a family tried to focus in to get one person an appointment. That's part of what has crashed the systems in the past. Uh, and so there's a real scrum in the Portland area with people trying to get not that many available appointments. Now, out in the rural areas, it's completely different. In, uh, we just heard yesterday from the OHA that eight or nine counties have told them, hey, don't send us any vaccine this week. We've got enough. We're still working through. We're having appointments that are not being uh, filled. And so it's kind of, it's hit and miss. Here where the huge population is still very intense in efforts to get it but outside in the rural areas i think it's much easier and when people do finally get a vaccine in the metro area they're pretty excited let's listen to some people you talk to in line for their appointments this week i think it should it's a good idea everybody's going to get the shots that way everybody be healthy the first one you know i was really nervous but you know i was okay I mean, you know, my arm was really sore for a few days. You know, I felt pretty kind of fatigued, but it's best to go ahead and get it done and get it over with. Definitely, definitely. I'm, I'm kind of ready. I'll be fully vaxxed and, like, ready to go. 
And here's a look at the number of people vaccinated so far in Oregon and Washington. More than 1 million in Oregon have been fully vaccinated. That's close to 26% of the population. Another 14% have had one dose of the vaccine. In Washington, more than 2 million people are fully vaccinated. More than 26% of the population or 28% of the population and another nearly 14% have had one dose. And while we're seeing more people get vaccinated, you can see here from this daily case curve chart, the number of cases in Oregon is going up. They peaked in November and December, then started going down, but in March started ticking back up. On Wednesday night, 998 new cases were reported in Oregon, the most since early February. We're seeing a similar pattern in Washington. Pat, why is that? Why are we seeing cases and hospitalizations go back up? Well, they certainly are going back up. Even today, the numbers just came out. It's 993 today. I think it's, it's, a, it's a number of factors. I think because some people are vaccinated, and so they're kind of relaxing. Other people are seeing their friends get vaccinated, and so maybe they're relaxing too. People have been cooped up for more than a year. And so they're just saying, you know, enough of this. I'm going to get outside. I'm going to gather with family again. And so, um, you know, that's happening and we're starting to hear about cases like backyard parties where there's 10 people and all 10 end up getting COVID. So uh, I think it, it is people being sick and tired of being sick and tired of dealing with the virus and it's still here. Well, let's talk about getting a vaccine. Kristen, you've done a lot of research on the best ways for people to find available vaccines. You talked to a vaccine hunter. He's a project manager for a large Portland health system, and he's helped thousands of people get appointments. What was some of his best advice? So he has this amazing Google document. You're seeing it right there on the screen, and it really lists all the different ways in Oregon and Washington to get the vaccine. He's doing this on his free time. But I think the best tip he gave me, and I just checked on my phone, it's called findashot.org. I just went on there. Um, there's an appointment. Here's a, an appointment at Rite Aid in Portland, um, another Rite Aid in Portland. There's one in Tigard. It, it refreshes every four minutes. It's findashot.org. It's amazing. I, I tell people if they're having trouble finding a shot, put that on your browser You know, while you're working, while you're at home, and it, you'll find a shot that way, especially um, at the pharmacies. And then, you know, some other, we were just talking about this um, a little bit earlier today, Salem. I mean, that you can still do a walk-in appointment at the state fairgrounds. They are accepting walk-ins. You can also make an appointment there. So I think those are the two, you know, best ways if you need it now. You know, if you don't want to sign up and, and get vaccinated or again and wait to be contacted, because I think a lot of us sign up. And we do know it works. Of course, we know people who sign up and then they get contacted. But many of us sign up and you just kind of feel like that goes out out there. And, you know, you, you worry. You worry that, did you do it right? Are you going to get the email? And so I think if you kind of want to be proactive, um, try this findashot.org or consider maybe going to Salem. Well, the vaccine hunter also gave you some other advice and tips and tricks to help get an appointment, including signing up at the Get Vaccinated Oregon website. Here are some of the tips he gave Kristen five minutes of your time and then your name just goes into a database and somebody picks your name out and sends you an invitation. There is a Vaccinate Washington appointment finder which is listed in the Google Doc, but his favorite site, no matter where you live, findashot.org. You type in your zip code and every four minutes it just refreshes. So if you just leave it on your browser all day long, it just every four minutes it just refreshes your page automatically and you go on there and it tells you where there's appointments. 
And that's a pretty slick way to do it. So that's your ticket to like a CVS or a Walgreens or a Fred Meyer or a Rite Aid or whatever. If you're having trouble finding an appointment inside the Portland metro area, Jeff suggests trying a neighboring county. If you go a little bit outside, especially in Columbia County or Marion County, those are probably kind of a sweet spot for Portlanders. Um, they seem like a long ways away, but like Scappoose is only 20 miles from Hillsborough. You can also drive to the fairgrounds in Salem for a walk-in appointment. And Kristen's mentioned Salem. My husband and I got our vaccines at the Salem Fairgrounds. We signed up on the Salem Health website. And I have to say it's very well run. And the National Guard members who kept things running and gave us our vaccines were really wonderful. Let's go back to Pat. Let's talk about what's been going on with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. We're taping again on Thursday. And we'll get news about the J&J &J vaccine Friday. What will that decision mean for vaccine distribution in Oregon and Washington, Pat? Well, just to catch everybody up, it was paused because of some extremely rare blood clot, clot cases, one in a million, uh, and it's being reviewed by the federal government. We do expect, probably the experts say, that it will be allowed to go forward, maybe with some warning uh, on the labels, or maybe you have to sign a consent or something like that. But um, we expect that will come tomorrow, maybe even later today. We'll see. But the fact is, it's going to get Johnson & Johnson flowing again. The OHA says there's about 100,000 doses already in Oregon that were sort of paused when this all happened. Uh, and it's going to be critical to get that moving again in Oregon because at one point, the state leaders expected about 80,000 doses a week of Johnson & Johnson to be coming through here. The second question is not only whether the government will allow it, as it probably will, but then also what impact that factory mess up on the East Coast will have. Remember, they had to throw something like 15 million doses away. And so that factory still is not supplying domestically yet. They're still getting um, the Johnson & Johnson from overseas. So how quickly can that come up? How quickly can they start pumping that out? Those are all questions to be answered. But the Johnson & Johnson is really an important vaccine, especially for hard-to-reach areas and hard-to-reach people. If you're only going to see them once, Johnson & Johnson is the way to go. And still people are vaccine hesitant for a number of reasons. And Kristen, you dug into that issue. Recent data shows about 23% of people remain hesitant to get the COVID vaccine. Why is that number so important? How does it figure into getting past the coronavirus pandemic, Kristen? It's all about herd immunity, Laurel. I mean, when you have the whole point of this is you want to reach herd immunity where enough people are protected from the virus. And so it, the virus has nowhere to go. Well, the only way to do that is either if everyone gets COVID, which we don't want, or if we if people get the vaccine. Vaccine hesitancy is so complex. I've been doing a lot of research on it. We've been doing a lot of stories. And there are a lot of reasons why people are hesitant. And I, I think that that is going to be, you know, once we're already seeing supply and demand kind of, we're seeing enough shots out there. And so I think this is 100% the next big story is overcoming this vaccine hesitancy. And as part of your reporting, you talk with Alex Reinhardt with Delphi Group out of Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh. And they've been talking to a lot of Americans about whether they've gotten their shot and if they won't get it, why. It's the largest COVID-related study of its kind. And here is more of what Kristen found out. So we've had over 2 million responses since January. 77% of people polled are either vaccinated or plan to be. 23% remain vaccine hesitant. 
of those who are hesitant. The data shows 70% are most concerned with side effects. Either side effects generally or a smaller percentage of people are worried about things like they have allergies to vaccines or other bad reactions in the past, so they're concerned about getting vaccinated. When it comes to race, the study highlights that more black adults are willing to get the vaccine compared to a few months ago. In early January, 40% of black adults were vaccine hesitant. Now, that number is 29%. But this group has the highest number of people concerned about side effects, 80%. Vaccine hesitancy is largest in young people. 31% of people 18 to 24 years old said they may not get the vaccine. That was something that jumped out at us, you know, the amount of young people who were hesitant. You know, what reasons did they give for being unsure? Yeah, um, we see, we see the, the side effect concerns as one group, uh, which I think, if you think about it, makes sense, sort of they have less to gain from the vaccine potentially if they're already young, don't have other conditions. So Kristen, how does the U.S. overcome this hesitancy problem? I've done so much research on this. Every expert says the same thing. You cannot shame someone for being hesitant. You cannot bully them into getting this. You can't make them feel bad because by doing that, by shaming someone, they're not gonna talk to you about it. They're going to be defensive. And then, you know, experts say they'll just go most likely online and find other like-minded people who also are hesitant and kind of dig their heels in. So you really, I interviewed an expert today, I'll have more on this next week, but she said, when someone comes to you concerned about the vaccine, they're coming to you, they're, they're, it's a feeling, it's an emotion, and you can't meet a feeling with a fact. So you have to meet them first with empathy, talk to them about it, understand why they are concerned, and then have the conversation, have the conversation about what you know about the vaccine and, and why it's safe and why doctors believe it's safe. Sounds like good advice. Uh, thank you, Kristen. And Pat, when we come back, what's the real deal on vaccine passports? Plus, will we need a booster shot? We're back in two minutes. Welcome back to Stray Talk. I'm Laurel Porter, and I'm joined by our KGW vaccine team, Kristen Severance and Pat Doris. Once again, great to have you here. Pat, there's a lot of talk about possibly needing a third dose for folks who got the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine or a booster shot. What can you tell us about that? Will we need a booster vaccine? It's highly likely the answer is yes. Uh, the Pfizer CEO was just the other day saying that it, it looks like probably 12 months after you're fully vaccinated, we're going to need to get a third shot. And it's in part because of all the variants and everything else and to keep our immune system up. So I would say, yeah, we're probably going to count on it and it may become an annual shot just like the flu. And that's the Pfizer CEO, also Moderna CEO said something like that. But are they going to make the decision? Who will ultimately make that decision if we get a third <laughs> vaccine? Well, yeah, you wouldn't want the people who make the drug deciding that everybody needs more of it or the vaccine. Uh, so it'll be the FDA and the CDC, the head of the government scientific agencies, who will make that call. And there's been a lot of discussion about vaccine passports. That's a digital or paper record showing you received the COVID vaccine when traveling. Kristen, you've investigated this topic as well. Where are they using vaccine passports right now? So they're using the vaccine passports in China and in the EU. They're not using them in the U.S. right now, but international travelers do use something called a yellow card where it does keep track of 
your immunizations. So we, we do use something, but we do not have a vaccine passport in the U.S. So the U.S. doesn't have one, but what's the position, the U.S. position on vaccine passports? So uh, President Biden, you know, uh, convened a team to look into them, but has said, you know, several times made it very clear that this would be left to the private sector. So if private businesses want to require something, you know, showing that you were man, you, you got the vaccine, that may happen, but it will not be uh, mandated by the federal government. And there won't be a system um, set up by the federal government where they are keeping track of who is vaccinated, and who is not. And there's a lot of misinformation out there being spread about the vaccine, about vaccine passports. What kind of misinformation have you come across? Uh, several different things, several different narratives when it comes to the vaccine passport. One, just a real lack of understanding about what they are. As I mentioned, you know, international travelers do use something that shows, you know, their immunization. So real lack of understanding about what they are. Um, there are several uh, QAnon and other conspiracy theories that link the vaccine passport to kind of the end of times, this biblical narrative, and then um, some other narratives, including, you know, some governors have banned vaccine passports in their states. So in Florida and Texas and several other places. And so that's led to some confusion because the federal government is not mandating them, but you have states coming out and banning them. So it's it's led to some confusion. Well, we have time to ask a couple of questions that you've gotten this week. So let's start with Pat. What are my chances of getting COVID once I'm fully vaccinated? Uh, small, but not impossible. Remember, there's like 95% effective, so there's the 5%. And there have been breakthrough cases in both Oregon and Washington, people fully vaccinated who still got the virus. So, yeah, you're not out of the woods just because you get the vaccination. You're mostly out of the woods, but there's still a few layers of trees there. And Kristen, how about this one? We've been talking a lot about trying to get vaccine appointments, and there's been so much frustration what about having trouble? I'm having trouble finding an appointment. What should I do now? Okay, if you're having trouble and you're watching right now, go to findashot.org. Keep it up on your computer. It refreshes every four minutes. I bet you'll get an appointment. Or you could always drive to Salem and do a walk-in. I wanted to go back uh, to ask you another question, Kristen, about the vaccine passports to, to wrap sure. that up. What, what is the bottom line on vaccine passports? Bottom line on vaccine passports, uh, you know, private businesses could ask if you've been vaccinated. They could require you to be vaccinated. It's a, it's a private business. They can do what they want. But in terms of the federal government, they will, according to President Biden, they will not be federally mandating vaccine passports. And they will not be, you know, setting up a system and keeping track if you're vaccinated or not. And we're already seeing some private industries like a winery in Eugene is requiring its employees to get the vaccine. And we just heard this week, Lewis and Clark College, a private college, mm -hmm. will also require its students. We have time for about 30 seconds or so for a final thought from each of you. Um, Pat, a final thought to wrap this up? Well, it's just been amazing to cover this thing. It's been historic. You know, we're in the trenches every day and every once in a while you look back and say, I can't believe this is happening. And it's not only here, but all around the world. I remember watching movies thinking, wouldn't that be awful if it really did happen, a virus outbreak? And 2,400 people plus in Oregon who would not have died have died because of this. It's been fascinating and awful at the same time. Well, we're hoping, too, that we're seeing a light at the end of the tunnel as more people get vaccinated. And Kristen, about 30 seconds for you. It has just been a remarkable experience to cover the vaccine. Sometimes I think I, I'm just astonished that we're even 
that we've come so far. I mean, I remember when COVID first hit more than a year ago and, and look where we are now. I mean, we have a vaccine. It's been, a, you know, a very fascinating experience, as Pat said. And I really believe that vaccine hesitancy, that is the next big issue as we continue to cover this story. And I know you both will keep covering this for us. Thank you so much. And you know, there's a lot of information to take in, and we have a lot of that important info compiled for you on our website. Just go to kgw.com vaccine. And if you have questions for, for Kristen and Pat for our vaccine team, you can contact them using the Contact Us tab on our website. So Kristen and Pat, thank you so much for your hard work on the vaccine team and for joining us here on Stray Talk. And thank you for watching. Remember, you can also listen to our KGW Straight Talk podcast. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Search for KGW Straight Talk. We hope you'll join us next week. We'll find out why Multnomah County is declaring racism as a public health crisis and how the county plans to tackle the problem. My guests are Multnomah County Chair Deborah Kofori and County Health Director Ebony Clark. We'll see you next week for Straight Talk. Have a great week.